Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. So we're going to do a uh, primer on uh, epic prayer. Now, now, when I heard we're doing epic prayer, okay, I think of epic events, okay? And epic means like once in a lifetime. And it means typically one person. You know, you have the superhero that does a super event, and that's an epic thing, you know? Uh, and, and, and there are superheroes in the Bible. Uh, David Hand, I think next week, is going to uh, share a prayer from Nehemiah. And it was Nehemiah's prayer uh, that opened up the doors for the, the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Uh, you know, uh, and there's a number of prayers in the Bible that are like that. But for me, when I was looking at it, I was thinking, but I'm Jim. I'm not Nehemiah. You know, I'm not Moses. Uh, Jeremiah has some wonderful prayers. Uh, and uh, how do we do this? Well, it made me think about Paul. Now, you all know Paul, right? Paul the Apostle. Paul, the guy that sets his eyes and there's steel and nothing stops him from going after what he's going after. Paul, who stands up in front of how, how many ever and declares the good news of the kingdom. He possibly was thrown to lions in Ephesus. You know, Paul, Paul, my goodness, let Paul into a thing and he fixed it. Let Paul go to a place and he gets it going. Paul's the man that you want on task. So what does a Paul do when he's imprisoned? How do you take that powerful of a character, that personality that is a conqueror, that's a world conqueror, that personality that wants to attack and to achieve and to build. He wants to go to Spain. He wants to go everywhere the gospel's never been. That's my mission. That's Paul. But now Paul is trapped in four walls. I'm not, I'm somewhat like Paul. Uh, you know, uh, I love attacking I love conquering. I, you tell me, they say it can't be done, and I'll go, ooh, I'll figure that out. I love that. You just tell me that it can't be done, and I will figure it out because God's big enough to get it done. In the last year and a half, coming on two years now, with my cancer, Carol's heart, her stroke, my return to cancer, you know, I feel like I've been stuck in four walls. And it has been one of the hardest periods of my life. And what God continually reminds me is Paul knows about four walls. Paul knows about being trapped. And you know what Paul did when he was trapped within four walls? He did two things. He prayed and he wrote. (laughs) Uh, Paul was not bound by walls. And what I want to talk today about is a what I call uh, an epic prayer of Paul. 
but I don't want to talk about it in the epic sense. I want to talk about it in the I'm just Jim sense. What can I learn from Paul to pray the kind of prayers that make that kind of difference? Okay, and so to do that, I went to Colossians. We just did Ephesians, so I couldn't go back there, uh, though there's two great prayers in Ephesians. I think I had the privilege of speaking on both of them when we were in Ephesians. But uh, uh, I want to look at Colossians, so go to the next slide, Jim. Uh, And it's out of Colossians chapter 1. And let me read this for you. You can read along. Uh, This is from the NASB. Uh, Paul starts, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in every respect, to bear fruit in every good work, and to increase in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might, the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to God, to the Father, not God, to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. There are three things in this prayer that I think are very instructive for us on how to pray a prayer that can be prayed for a church in Colossae that Paul never visited, to pray for a church in Ukraine and now dispersed to Hungary that we've never visited, or to pray for one another. Uh, And I want to walk through those three things. But before we get to those three things, I want to come back and review one other thing. Go ahead, hit it, Jim. Okay. First of all, prayer is a we activity. We all have personal prayer lives. And I'm not saying that there's not a private prayer life. Nehemiah, if David does do Nehemiah next week, you'll see that Nehemiah prayer life. Daniel, oh my goodness, Daniel's prayers are powerful. You know, when you look at Daniel, there's so much destruction there. Jesus had a private prayer life, right? You know, he prayed so much, the disciples said, hey, hey, stop doing that alone. Teach us how to do this. You know, and so there's private prayer. But the thing that I was, go ahead, click the next one, that I found is that much of scripture is corporate prayer. Uh, and, and, and you can see this is two weeks ago, David walked us through the Lord's Prayer. Okay? And, and the first word in the Lord's Prayer is my father. I mean my. No, it's our. Our father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Our Father. Give who? Us. Us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. That's a corporate prayer. We can pray it privately. And I really dislike when it's prayed I'm from a liturgical background, and I really enjoy uh, the liturg. The honestly, I really enjoy the the uh, the liturgy that we go through at Woodbury, but I've never enjoyed the Lord's Prayer as a liturgical prayer because it just. I memorized prayers growing up, and blah, 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 you know, you never hear them again. 
That's a powerful prayer. Uh, when I think of the book of Acts, think of the book of Acts with me for a second. The prayers that you think about in the book of Acts, are they corporate prayers or are they private prayers? Acts 1. All the apostles, 120, were gathered in an upper room and they prayed. And the Spirit of God descended on them. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they were meeting day to day in houses and what were they doing? Praying. Okay? Chapter 3. They went into the temple every day. And what did they do? They prayed and they preached. And in chapter 4, when they were persecuted, what did they do? They got together and prayed. In chapter 6, the widows, what did they do? Got together and prayed. Chapter 13, the guys were praying and the Holy Spirit said, uh, that guy and that guy, I have a job for them. Paul and Bar and Bar and Bar and Barnabas. You see throughout Acts that the prayer is corporate prayer. I cannot encourage us enough that we as a congregation, if you hear nothing else, we need to be involved in corporate prayer. Do not give up your private prayers. But God moves through the power of corporate prayer. And that's why he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, where am I? I'm in your midst. And the power of a corporate prayer is we hear one another praying, we hear what God is saying. When I pray by myself, I'm not bounced by what others add to that. But when we're in a corporate prayer, we hear God speaking and we get clarification. Now, what are we getting clarification on? Go ahead to the next slide. And this is the first part. Uh, and so we're getting clarification in our prayers as we hear the prayers of others of what God's will is. And so the first thing of praying an epic prayer as a non-epic individual is just Jim, is this right here. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and un un understand standing. You may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, I'm rather intellectual. Uh, I, I like knowledge. I have been all my life a collector of knowledge. You know, uh, and uh, I used to display that quite a bit until somebody one time stopped me and said, Jim, it's not how much of the Bible that you've memorized, it's how much of the Bible has got of you. And this word knowledge here is not a cognitive kind of knowledge. It's not a knowledge of. It's the word gnosis with the preposition epi in front of it, and it means a full knowledge. It means like a relational knowledge, okay? There, in education, there are three kinds of knowledges that every good teacher is trying to get their students to do. One, they want to teach them a content. So there's a content to our faith that we need to master. We need to have that content. But we all know people who have that content in great degree, but their lives don't look anything like the content that they have. So the second kind of knowledge is a love knowledge. It's a valuing, you know. I not only know this, 
I value it. I've incorporated it in my life. This is personal to me. This isn't just something that I take for an exam and I can get an A. Uh, this is something that is mine. That's the valuing. And the third kind of knowledge is behavioral. It's the kind of knowledge that when you have it, you do something with it. Okay? And so he's praying that, that, that God would give them the kind of knowledge that they would know of him more, they would love him deeper, and they would do better. Okay? And that's what the spiritual wisdom and understand, stand, 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 stand. He prays that they'd have a wisdom, they'd have knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You remember when God told Moses to build the tabernacle. Uh, that's his will. Build me a tabernacle. And it should do this and that and this and that and that, you know. And he goes into great, unbelievable detail, I pray, that somebody preaches that someday for all of us, um, not me. It's just way more detailed than what I'm comfortable with. But it was his will. And so God said, there's a guy in your midst. I'm going to put my spirit on him, and I'm going to give him a spirit of what? Wisdom and knowledge, so that he knows how to make all these things. I'm not just telling you to do it, I'm giving you people who I'm going to build into them the skill sets that they need to do it. And that's what this wisdom and knowledge is about. It's a practical wisdom and knowledge. It's a hands-on wisdom and knowledge. It's the kind of wisdom and knowledge that when we have it, we know what to do, not simply what to say or what simply to believe. We know how to make it work. So it's a practical wisdom and knowledge. Now, why does he want this? I love this next word. Go ahead, Jim. So that. All right? So we have this knowledge of his will, and there's four things that Paul then goes in, and he says, wisdom of his will, so that. So that the first one is that you may walk in a manner worthy of him. I'm not going to go into any more detail with that, because Pastor Dave did an excellent job in the book of Ephesians, walk permeates Ephesians. We know from Ephesians how to walk, but we walk in a manner worthy of him. Why? The next thing, to please him in every respect. So when we walk in a manner worthy of him, we please him in every respect, and then what happens? We bear fruit. We bear fruit. So we have a knowledge of his will. We work at living that out, we please him, people see that, and we bear fruit. As we bear fruit, what happens? We get to know God more. So we increase in the knowledge of God. So we know his will practically. We do it in our walk. We please him. We bear fruit and we increase the knowledge of God. And where does that lead us back to? God. And so now, and all you know, that as you've grown in Christ, the depth of your wisdom, the depth of your knowledge of him has grown deeper because he's taking you through this process. And every time you come in, you come in at a deeper level with him. 
And as you come in with that deeper level with him, then you start to process over again because you do your best to live what he taught you. Now, I wish it was all that simple and it ended there. Okay, right? Right? I mean, it's just deeper and deeper with Jesus and on we go. But when we do that, next slide. Go ahead, hit it one more time, Jim. We get affliction. We get conflict. We get confusion. Uh, you know, uh, we get adversity. Uh, these things strike us for three reasons, and then I'm going to add a fourth. The first reason is, is because it often confronts who we are. God leads us into things that we don't like, that we don't want to do. Uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul says something closely similar to this. He says, your problem is not with me, your problem is with your own affections. So say, part of the adversity is this, as he does this, our inner beings are exposed for what they really are. And we have to make choices of whether we lay that on the altar or whether we say, I don't want that. So that's the first conflict, is the internal conflict, our own affections. The second conflict is with the world around us. The world around us tells us what? what? What's the number one thing that this world tells us? You deserve and fill in the blanks. You deserve a break today. Uh, I had a good friend of mine who had walked out on her husband uh, and, uh, and then uh, she called up uh, and said, I want to marry another guy. What do you think? And I said, well, you don't really want to know what I think. She goes, oh, yeah, I really do. And I go, no, you really don't. She goes, yeah, I really do. And I said, Corinthians says that you should be reconciled. That's not saying you should be married, but you should be reconciled. She goes, over my dead body. I will never be reconciled to that man. You know, uh, and I said, well, as I said, you didn't want to hear what God wanted from you. And she goes, God wants me to be happy. That's America. Okay, that's the world. I deserve it. I deserve a break. I deserve happiness. I deserve whatever you deserve. It's unbiblical. Because what's the only thing you deserve biblically? Death. Everything else is grace. Okay? And so whenever you say, I deserve. That's the world talking to you, okay? And that confronts you. There's a second thing in the world. We live in a broken world. Ukraine, broken world. Uh, Vermont, with all the floods, broken world. California, with the homes going into ravines, broken world. The Midwest, with all the tornadoes going through, broken world. Uh, the coronavirus, broken world. Uh, 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 stroke, broken world. Cancer, broken world. Uh, we live in a broken world. And, and, uh, and, and that confronts us because then we say, where's God? Especially when you've been missionaries, as long as we have, you expect God to cut your break, right? You know, I mean, you, you've earned brownie points. And, and I want to cash in my brownie points. And uh, this is literally true when this happened with us. 
At 71, I said, God, I figured by 71, all the major carving has been done in me, and now you're just shaving off the rough edges. And he smiled and said, oh, you have no idea how corrupt you are. And anyway, uh, and I love you so much. But anyway, the world, okay? The third thing is the devil. Uh, We know from Ephesians when we're there, our battle is not against flesh and blood but against powers of darkness. Uh, And so we have three things that are warring against us. We have ourselves warring against us. We have the world in two ways, the ideas and, 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 and the brokenness of it. And we have Satan. As I was running through this yesterday, I'm in Job. And I'm reading through Job, and I realize there's a fourth thing, one that I really don't like. Have you considered my servant Job? Job was minding his own business, walking with God. And God sent Satan to afflict him. That's a hard one, right? How about Paul? We all think there was something wrong with his eyes. And Paul prayed three times that that affliction would be removed. And Paul... God, you know, God finally says, my strength is perfected in your weakness. And Paul says, okay, if my weakness brings you glory, then this affliction that you gave me, I will glory in. So there is another part to this that is also difficult for, is that God sends things. Uh, And don't ask me how to discern what's what. Uh, When we come to the end, I'll tell you what to do, irrespective of where it comes from. Okay, but so knowing all this, Paul moves us to the second thing. Okay, Uh, and so the first prayer we pray is, Lord, give them a knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understand, stand, 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 standing. But because of all the affliction, because of the conflict, because of the confusion, you guys, more confusion, you know, anyway, uh, how do you handle this? And he says, strengthened. Strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Uh, How do you strengthen something? How, How do you strengthen metal? You heat it up. And then you add alloys. So you heat it up, you add alloys, and you pound on it. Wait, that sounds like affliction and confusion and those other things, right? But strengthen, how, how do you strengthen a rope? Ten, okay, you twist it, and then you add more strands. Thus, the we. Okay, we need the we because as a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Okay, and so the more of us that are together, the stronger we are. So how does God strengthen us? Okay, he strengthens us with his power. 
He strengthened us according to. I love this according to. He doesn't say out of. Okay? So if I gave you out of my resources, I may give you $5. You know, if I really like you, I may give you $10. If I gave you according to my resources, well, I'm a poor missionary, maybe 15. But anyway, uh, you, you know, so, but he gives according to his power. The word there for power or might, his glorious might, is the word that indicates uh, it's the kind of might that's seen in mighty deeds. Okay? There's four mighty deeds in the Bible that this is referring to when it goes back to God. The first mighty deed of God is creation. In the beginning, God said, let there be, and there was. And before that, there was not. Uh, and so God created. That's, that's that might. That's the might that's talking about. Then God says, hey, you guys have screwed it. I'm flooding it. And then he flooded the whole thing. And then the third one was, oh, you're trapped in Egypt. Let me get you out of there. There's the exodus. And for us, there's the fourth might. What is the fourth might? Resurrection. Who through the resurrection... We are all here today, not because of the first three, but because of the fourth one. We've seen the might of the resurrection. Now, the other thing I find here is for the attaining. When you hear the word attaining, uh, is, is, is that a one-time event or an ongoing event? So if I'm attaining something, See, if I wanted to say one time, so you would attain. Okay? But if I say attaining, that, that by its very nature of the word is a process. And now here is the thing that Paul is praying this process. He says, I pray that you would be strengthened so that you will be happy. I pray that you will be strengthened so that you will be relieved. I stray that you, I pray that you will be strengthened so that you will achieve. All the things that our culture tells us that we deserve, he doesn't pray for. What does he pray for here? See, if you had these two things in your life, what could be thrown at you that you could not withstand? If you were steadfast and you learn steadfastness, you may get hit and you may wobble and knock, but then you stand back up because you're steadfast. Okay? And so what he's praying for here is not relief, but what will make you strong, whatever. Whatever is thrown at you, if you're steadfast in patience, now steadfastness has to deal with circumstances. So Carol and I have been through circumstances, you know. Uh, patience has to do with people, you know. Uh, you know, and sometimes people just get under our skin, you know. Sometimes we just wish that people were different. And sometimes we wish they went to another church or that they moved across country or maybe they want to become missionaries and go to Africa, you know, and I'll support them to go there because I prefer them not here. 
uh, you know, because, and so circumstance, uh, a steadfastness has to deal with circumstances. Patience has to do with people. If you take circumstances and people out of the equation, what is there left that can hurt you? And so Paul prays that we'll be strengthened, but we're strengthened according to God's power. We strengthen with power according to God's glorious might so that we could be steadfast and patient. And so the next diagram is a picture of that. Uh, And so we're strengthened. He builds a wall around us. Uh, He strengthens us. Now, I wish that was an accurate picture. If I were sitting there, I'd say that's not true. Uh, So what do you see on that picture is not true? Uh, It's not that simple, right? You know, because, go ahead, touch the next one. We're still attacked. And when we're attacked, we bend. Sometimes when we attack, how many of you have seen the movie The Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom? It's a guy movie. It's about war. Uh, none of you have seen it. Okay. I would, it's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. But Orlando Bloom goes to Jerusalem during the Crusades, and one of the uh, sultans has a million-man army, and he comes and he attacks the city. And Orlando Bloom strengthened the walls. And even when the walls came in at parts and the hordes began coming through, he so organized the people inside that, he, uh, this is gross, but it's war, uh, he, he, he filled the broken part of the wall with the dead bodies of the people attacking. And the sultan realized he would not win. And he came and made peace with Orlando Bloom because the walls held. The walls get attacked. The walls get attacked. But when God strengthens us with power according to the might of his glory, the walls stand. And so what the diagram is trying to illustrate is not that, oh, I have perfect strength and I will never be. What it's illustrating is God has surrounded you. And that when attacked, if you are strengthened and you're trusting in his might and not your own, you'll stand. And when all the dust is done, you'll still stand. Our national anthem is based upon the walls standing half, 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 half after they were bombarded all night. Uh, and, and that's the idea here. It's not that there's not bombarded. It's not that the walls aren't, aren't messed up. It's that in the end, you're standing. And so you're strengthened with all might, with all power, according to the might of his glory, for attaining all steadfastness and patience. And then there's the third point. So the first one is is know God's will practically, strengthened with his power. And the third point is joyously giving thanks uh, to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What is Paul saying they give thanks for? Are they giving thanks for relief? 
Are they giving thanks for problems solved? Are they giving thanks for my happiness? I now have what I think will... Do we give thanks for those things? Yes. We should give thanks. But at the heart of this, they're giving thanks. But the thanks they're giving is not because they found relief. Their thankfulness is not based upon relief. Their thankfulness is based upon what? Who has qualified us? How did God qualify us? He saved us. He saved us. And when he saved us, what did he give us? An inheritance. What does Peter say about that inheritance? It's imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade, way reserved for us in heaven. So our thankfulness is not have anything to do with circumstances or people. Our thankfulness is, and this is where we get messed up, is often we want our thankfulness to be, God, thank you that when I got those results back, my cancer's gone. Yay! You know, or Carol's stroke is done. Yay! We're back to normal. Yay! I'm retired and now I don't have to go to work anymore. Yay! You know, we do thank for that. There's nothing wrong with being thankful for that. But if that's the basis of your thankfulness, anything that God doesn't do that you think he should, you won't be thankful. So the basis of our thankfulness is not relief, not acquisition, not achievement. The basis of our thankfulness is to the Father, Dad. You know, not to God. I said God when I read it originally, and I said, not God, Dad. This is a relationship. It's it's Dad. And what Dad has done is he's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, and the final part of that is in light. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when the eye is clear, the body is Remember that one? Full of light. But when the eye is dark, the body is full of darkness, and how great is that darkness. And so God has given us light. So we can see beyond what is right in front of us. We can see beyond that person that we'd really like to muzzle. Uh, you know, we can see beyond that and we can see what God is doing. And we step back and we see what God is doing. What is God doing in Ukraine? Who knows? But I can't say this. All these Ukrainian Christians who are left, you know what they're doing now? More than ever before, they're sharing Christ and Ukrainians are coming to Christ in droves. So our prayer is God stop the war. He prayed an interesting prayer today. God, may the Russians give thanks and pray for the Ukrainians. I think it was in the first service. And may the Ukrainians give thanks for the Russians. You know the bitterness. You know the bitterness. You know, uh, you know, 
How many people have died? You know the bitterness that will last. You know the trauma that those men are going through. They're traumatized and they're not allowed to leave. They have to go back out every day, back into the trauma. There's going to be a lot that has to happen for all that to be made right. Where is God in that? No idea. But what do I do know? God's sitting on his throne and there are no accidents and he's in it somehow and he's doing something beyond what we could ever ask or think through this. As Satan with Job, and Job was a, uh, Satan was a tool. So God is doing his thing. And in the end, he will be vindicated for all that he does. So what do we do? We give thanks. Thanks. I'll close with this. Romans one twenty one says they did not honor God as God, nor give thanks. So how do we know that we are honoring God as God? Giving thanks. So whenever we are not giving thanks, we're not honoring God as God. So what do we need at that point? We need to know the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We need to be strengthened. And so when I, I'm not saying that for any condemnation. It's just like, imagine prepping for this. Uh, you know, and, and then the other thing that I learned through this was, how do I know when I'm depending on God? What is the evidence if honor, if thankfulness is the evidence of honor, what is the evidence of dependence? Because if we're not praying, um, and Zechariah says, not by strength, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So if we're not praying, if we don't say that, unless God does this, unless God engages in this, unless God empowers this, this will not happen. As long as I think if Jim Wonder can go there, and do this, if Jim Wonder can go there and speak, if Jim Wonder can go there, as long as I think that way, I'm not depending upon God. I'm depending upon me. I have a God-like belief in myself. And so prayer is the litmus test of dependence. So we come back to my first statement. Prayer is a we thing. Uh, And so we have a thing on Tuesday night where we pray. We pray at other times. Uh, This is not a pounding on you. I have no idea what your lives are like or what your schedule is like. This is between you and God. But we need to pray as a we. And the more we pray as a we and we listen to the prayers of others, the more we'll discern what God is saying. And the more we discern what God is saying, the more capable we are of doing what he wants us to do. And then we'll walk in a manner worthy of him, we'll please him, we'll bear fruit, we'll increase the knowledge of God, and then we'll be afflicted. Uh, 
so, um, but, let, but let me close this prayer, else I may preach more. Uh, Jesus, thank you for this epic prayer, Paul, um, that um, three simple things that we can do. Uh, Lord, we all need to know your will practically. We all need to be strengthened because we're beat on internally, externally, spiritually. Father, we need your strength. And Father, we need to learn to joyously give thanks to you because of what you've done for us, not having anything to do with the circumstances we're in. Thank you for um, what you're doing in our lives in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.